pray. God, we are thankful for you. You are in control. How great you are. And I'm humbled that you would use me to celebrate and proclaim your word. Move me so that the people may hear from you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I was uh, a, a little uptight. Um, we had a, a joyous kind of leading up to Christmas. But on this year, not like most years, we were not in our house. We chose as a family to get some work done. And the gentleman called and said, hey, we can get you in before Christmas or we can get you in after Christmas. We prefer to get you in before Christmas. So I'm like, all right, let's do this. He says, and we can get you in by the 21st. Bet. Let's roll. That's the Friday before Christmas. We're going to do this. They're going to get the work done. Cool. 21st comes. 22nd comes. 23rd comes. All right, now we're getting close to Christmas Eve, and we're like, look, we're going to go ahead and just be resolved to the fact that we probably aren't going to get in our home. All right, cool. So now we're not in our home, and we're blessed to have folks that have loved us on this journey and given us a place to stay, but the, 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 the uh, tension is starting to rise a little bit. You, you can kind of feel it a little bit in the house. Maybe it's the kids. Maybe it's daddy. Maybe it's my, I don't know. But us not being in our home is starting to build a little bit of tension. And so we get to Christmas morning and I'm like, bet, bet. Okay, we got the gifts. I'm about to break out the gifts. I'm going to get everybody excited for 10 minutes. 10 minutes. We're going to have peace in the house. Everybody's about to have some joy. Bet. Boo, let's go get the gifts. And wifey looks at me and says, Hold up. Aren't we going to do what we do every Christmas, which is to read from Luke the birth narrative? And I'm like, I'm the pastor, woman. <laughs> I didn't say that, but I said it in my heart. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> in my head, I said it, you know? And, and, and it was like, Yes. Wait. Why? Why is tension? Why is uh, discomfort? Why is some of these other things starting to take my focus away? Cool. And you know, when we sat down and started reading that story, the kids didn't ask for a gift. They were right back in the rhythm of what we do every Christmas. And that that story, that powerful story about this baby that was spoken of in Isaiah, for unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. That story, the story where, where Mary sings out as, as our Elder Alvin was telling us, sings this soulful story about how her soul magnifies the Lord and rejoices in him. That story that each week we talked about of love, joy, peace, a story of hope we got to read together as a family. And so that Christmas story is one that is the start of a kickoff of something new. It is a win. It is a, a victory. 
It is Jesus coming to dwell with us, do life with us. But now we're going to shift a little bit to today's verses. Because that was like the beginning, but this is like today's verses is like the, the, the new entrance of Jesus' reign. Not his new covenant reign, but, but the start or the celebration of, of, of the baby God dwelling with us. Now look at what he's going to do. We, we see this happening in our, in our American society. I know some of y'all still got headaches and every four years you get headaches. Because every four years we have a presidential election. And you see the smear campaigns go on. You see all this different stuff. But every four years, we have an election that happens in November. Now, in November, the president is determined. Ballots are in. It's determined. But the person is not the president and begin their official office until an inauguration ceremony happens in January. You might have won. And everybody raises you and celebrates you as the winner. But it's not until the chief justice at noon in January officially swears you in as the president. Today's verses are going to kind of be like the inauguration of Jesus. It's going to be that 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 Jesus came dwell God in the flesh. Emmanuel, God with us, dwelled with us. But then something happens called epiphany, where he reveals himself to people. He reveals himself to people and allows those people to kind of be the the new way by which he's going to show his mission, show his kingdom reign, show his desire to love and care for all humanity. Now, that word epiphany is something we don't we don't use real often. It's, it's, it's we as a non-denominational church, we don't have a whole lot of what you call liturgy, which is like structure to your church. But we are joining with Catholics, Anglicans, non-denominational. We're joining with churches throughout the world and throughout history. Just like you have Christmas is a certain day. Epiphany is a day that happens after Christmas and is a part of the church year. But but that word we don't use all the time. It's a, it's a manifestation of God to his people, namely to the people we're going to talk about today, the wise men, the magi. Manifestation, manifestation. Let me, we got a lot of parents in here. When, when, a, when a baby gets really hungry and you have not given that baby food, what happens? Cry. Yell. Scream, hit you in the head with that pacifier. This ain't getting it, mama. That's, that's the manifestation of hunger. It, it is the physical expression of what is within. So the manifestation of God's glory, this, this actual expression of it, the magi are going to see in Jesus. So if you will, turn with me. We're going to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2. And it reads, should be up on the screen as well. And you should have a, a, a Bible near your knees and the pews. 
It reads, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Come to worship him. So who, who, is, who are these wise men? Who are these, these wise men that have come to worship him? They are what you would call astrologers or, or uh, magicians or I'm dating myself a little bit. Did anybody used to see this number that would come on at night and it was this sister named Cleo? Oh, yeah, psychic. Call up Cleo the psychic. Yeah. And I give you your numbers, girl, you know, like, like Cleo, that, that's, she was this psychic that if you called her, she would tell you your future. That, that, that's the kind of dab, things that they dabbled in. These wise men would look at the stars and they would be able to tell you things from your past. They would be able to explain to you issues that you had went through. They also would be able to actually do crazy stuff and peek into your future. If you look into Daniel chapter two, it gives a background of these of the wise men. In Daniel chapter two, Nebuchadnezzar is the king. Nebuchadnezzar has this dream. This dream has him waking up vexed. He wakes up troubled and he's like, oh, my goodness, I got to get some answers. So he calls in all of the Chaldeans and all of the wise men. And he says, I had this dream. It's, it's got me tripping. Now, what I want y'all to do is explain the dream to me. And all the wise men say, well, well king, can you tell us a dream and we'll interpret it? And he said, no, 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 no. Actually, since y'all are supposed to be able to look at the stars and know all this, I want y'all to tell me what I dreamt and I want y'all to interpret it. And if you don't, I'm going to kill y'all. That, that, that's, how, that's how crazy Nebuchadnezzar was. We know that they actually get saved because Daniel comes in. God blesses Daniel. He comes in, actually tells the king the dream, and, and the story moves on. Well, why? But I'm giving you the background because even kings would pursue these wise men because they were considered trustworthy. They had influence. They were people of stature. They would actually influence kingdoms by their words. So these wise men, wise men are no, they're no busters. They actually are pretty, pretty influential. But notice what I said that they used as power for their influence. Psychic, magic, stars, all of these things, whatever you start to think of as potentially unhealthy way for you to determine your choices and your answers in life. That was kind of the, the, the things that these wise men dabbled in. But it, but it leads us to begin to ask a question, right? When, when you feel like you don't know answers, when you feel like you don't know what to do next or can't explain what just happened, what are some of the things we might pursue? What are, some, what are some of the ways in which we pursue to get our, our answers to life's crazy questions? Is it, is it your best friend? Is it, is it some of those number, but is it the horoscope? Is 
Yeah, see, it, it, it's, it's kind of cool that like now horoscopes and stuff like that have been like baked into our culture and it's just funny, something simple, but it actually dabbles into some really unhealthy stuff. And you got to be careful as a Christian where you're seeking your truth from. Don't, don't put too much hope in a fortune cookie. And so here we're seeing a glimpse into the society at that time having their rooting kind of in some stuff that's unhealthy and and where they get their answers from. And I ask you the question, not because I'm assuming that we all get our answers from Christ. I'm actually assuming that at some point the world has stolen some of our focus from Jesus and wants to grab our attention and draw us towards itself. Let's see how this continues to play out. Because there's another actor kind of within this whole scene. His name is Herod. Look with me at verse 3. It says, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them, where the Christ was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. The first scene is kind of the the most unlikely people you think God would use. The astrologers and the, the magicians and the psychics, these wise men. But now we kind of shift to the person who's most likely the one that you would assume God would choose to reveal himself to, to manifest himself to, to have this epiphany with. Why? Because look who's on his payroll. I mean, he's got the chief priest. That's the dude that does all rituals. Every little birthday you got where we celebrating who you are in God, every child dedication, every time you need your sins atoned for, all of that, chief priest is the one that's handling that. But then you got the scribes. Oh, my sister. Where'd they come from? From the east. Where, where their home was, I don't know. The, oh, you mean where's the three kings story? How does that relate to the wise men? To be honest, I think that's going to take me down a trail. Can I rap with you afterwards? Because right now, I'm, I want to bless you. Amen. Um, so you got the chief priest that's doing the traditions, but then you got the scribes. Scribes are, are people that for a living All they do is write the words of the Bible, write out the scriptures. Can you imagine writing for 10 hours a day? Now, some of y'all do it typing and your your knuckles start to hurt. Imagine if you have a long piece of paper. This is before the pencil with erasers. 
Go, go ahead and make that mistake and got to start over. Imagine 10 hours a day you are writing. And once you finish that Bible, you done wrote the whole Bible. It took you four years. Guess what you do the next day? Start all over. You say rest. No. <laughs> Start all over. So if anybody should be able to know where this child, this king that's born unto the Jews is going to be, it's supposed to be the chief, the crew that's got the chief peace, priests and the scribes in it. And yet we'll see that God chooses the unlikely to reveal himself. Now, Herod's troubled. Why? It reveals the heart of Herod through one simple word, troubled. If he wasn't troubled and he was joyous and he was worshiping and he was celebrating, you would have known that his heart was like, I am so thankful that this king is coming. But the very fact that he's troubled and his court, his posse, his crew is troubled with him, it reveals that he's jealous. That he doesn't want to see this God, this king, take his throne. And so what you end up seeing now is a man who's plotting, planning, being deceitful. Because his crew did something. In verse 6, they gave him his answer, right? They said, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. From you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. His people gave him an answer. It's going to be in Bethlehem, king. But if, but if, but if you were looking for a person, if, if you was looking for a person and you said, hey, Leon, where are they? And I was like, they in Detroit. They in Detroit. W- would that help you? Would, th- would you find the person? You see, now he's, he's realizing, okay, I done narrowed it down from all the different places that he could be. But I need to send somebody who can go and find him. So let me send these wise men. Let me allow these wise men to go do the dirt for me. But it's but it's interesting. It's interesting because. uh, And I I think I referred to this a few weeks ago, but but the the wise men are, are what you would call an unconventional method. Because even though Herod is the king. He has the scribes and priests. Who does he send to find the children, to find the child? He sends the wise men. He, send, he sends the dudes that when you're having a party, you don't want them to roll in because they're rocking like hammer pants or dashiki and like three mohawks. I mean, they just they come in looking jacked up. You just know they're not supposed to be in the crew. You know they stand out. You know they just kind of weird but they get the job done so before everybody in the in the courts you're not going to bring them in and tell everybody hey guys I know chief and priest you guys are in charge and you've helped me to kind of narrow it down no in secret you'll be like hey wise man come here I need to find this baby I need to find this king when you find him let me know 
because this king, I want to come worship. Hey, crew, when they lead us there, we killing this baby. That, that's the heart of Herod. A troubled man that sees the power and the effectiveness of even the unconventional, of even the unlikely. So now, continue to read with me, verse 9. After listening to the king, they went on their way and beheld the star. The star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. These are the wise men. These are the wise men, the wise men who used stars to help them understand life, to help them tell others how to understand life. The wise men who believed that stars would communicate. And what does God use to grab their attention and put them in the gospel story? A star. A star, the very thing that was unlikely to have them be connected to God God uses to see them worship him. The very thing that would have discounted them, disqualified them, that would have assumed they wouldn't even have names have been mentioned in the Bible. God uses to grab them. And notice they rejoice. Family, this is a this is a, a, a timely word as we head into the new year. And it is every year because what it what it reminds us first is not to discount anyone, not to count out anyone, not to to determine who you think might be a gospel responder. Because God calls the unlikely. God calls the unlikely. And so here, look what he does. He uses the very thing that at one point was an abuse. They would abuse the stars. And now God uses that to bring his name glory. They would use these things to control other people's outcome. And now God is using it to control the affections of their heart. They would use that to enter into the presence of kings and have influence over kings. And now God is using it to bring them into the presence of the one and only true king. So what would it look like for us today? What, what does it look like? It, it, it looks like, it looks like an, an, an alcoholic person being able to be drawn to Jesus through alcohol. Crazy, huh? Yeah, I wouldn't sign somebody up for that journey. But I'll say that there is nothing that God can't use to grab your heart. So it looks like if you are a workaholic and you find peace and rest or even escape in your work, that God can use your work to grab your heart. What does it look like? It looks like even a a prideful, arrogant person 
God can use you boasting in yourself and your own accomplishments to grab your heart. And sadly, what we do is when we see people in that state, that state of arrogance or that state of boasting or that state of workaholic, we, we kind of write them off. We kind of wait back patiently until maybe they learn a lesson. We kind of, and family, I want us to see that, that God can use anything, even the state that a person is in, to bring himself glory. God calls the unlikely. God calls the unlikely. And so let me continue to tell you a little bit of an unlikely story. One where God created all things and then in the beauty of his creation, the apple of his eye being humanity, humanity turned and chose to break his heart chose our own way, chose a sinful path instead of choosing to celebrate God and follow his laws, his love, and his wisdom. But God in grace and mercy says, even though you've broken my heart and are far away from me, I will die to restore you, to see you reconciled, to see you live again. I will give my life for you. But there's one request that you would give me yours, that as I give you my life, that you would be willing to give your life unto me. It's an unlikely story. And if you are a person that's in our church building right now and you've not accepted Christ, you are the unlikely. I don't care what your story is, what your background is, how amazing your family is. You are a part of the unlikely, but there's good news for you that you're in the midst of good company because we are all unlikely and God inaugurates. He gets his ministry started by revealing himself by these people seeing the, the, the king of kings. He didn't reveal himself to the Jews who were expected to know all about him. He didn't reveal himself to those that have been walking for generations. He revealed himself to some wise men to kick off the ministry. Not in a fancy hotel adorned with gold, but in a little house with a mother and father who were not very wealthy. And and these wise men realize that they are in the presence of God and being led by God and they rejoice. If you are already a Christian and you love Christ, My prayer today is that you would see people and opportunities, no matter how bad they are, as opportunities where God can work and can move. But if you're not a Christian, my prayer is that you would recognize that Jesus has come for you. He has come for us. He has come to dwell among the unlikely so that his name might be glorified. And this would not be a story about a king, but would be a story about your king, our king, the king. So what's the New Year's connection? I have no idea. (laughs) Sorry, I don't have a New Year's sermon for you. 
All I can say is I would hope that as we go into 2019, we would have a perspective that is excited to engage with people where they are in the midst of drama, in the midst of hurt, or in the midst of pain, or in the midst of joy, that we would see each opportunity as one where God's kingdom can be advanced. Family, this week we're talking about epiphany, and next week we'll talk about epiphany. This week was about the call of the unlikely. Next week will be about the response of the unlikely. Let's pray together. Lord, you are indeed in control of all things. How amazing it is that you would reveal yourself to folks that many of us uh, that, 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 that were on the margins, Lord. You revealed yourself to people that were deemed by society as outcasts and weirdos. And yet, Father, you used them to bring your name glory. You allowed them to begin to, to celebrate your ministry moving forward. It could have started with Herod, a baby conquering a powerful army. But that would have been a story about your might. This one is a story about your mission. A mission to reach the Gentiles and Jews together. We are thankful for you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen.